Welcome to the Vanessa G. Fitcast. If you think eating less is the answer to getting lean, or that you have to choose between having donuts and wine or having a body you love, well then, girl, you are in the right place. Chances are you've fallen victim to diet culture's terrible advice on how to eat and exercise. But don't worry, this podcast is going to bring you actionable information so you can start transforming your body without giving up your life. I'm Vanessa Gillette, founder and head coach of Vanessa G Fitness and Nutrition. This podcast was born from my passion for helping all women create bodies they feel confident in. Thank you for tuning in and trusting me to support and guide you. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Vanessa G Fitcast. I'm Vanessa Pozos, and here with me, we brought on two special guests. We brought some friends onto the podcast today with Omar and myself. So today we have Lindsay and Brian. Lindsay and Brian, they are the co-founders and head coaches of The Fitness Project, where they help develop fit, healthy leaders. At The Fitness Project, their mission is to help elevate the quality of life for business owners and professionals in leadership roles so that they can advance in their careers and be better role models within their families. Now, former bodybuilders who actually pivoted to a more holistic view of well-being, Lindsay and Brian, they really meld performance coaching and mindfulness with the best techniques in fitness and health to help tailor an approach to each individual in a way that allows them to progress without sacrificing the areas that matter most. Lindsay and Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. How are you guys doing today? (laughs) It's a good Friday. I I didn't realize it was Friday until halfway through the day when we had our team meeting. So (laughs) I've been looking to, I've been looking at Friday all day long. So I'm like, all right, one more day. Here we go. We're almost there. (laughs) It's definitely been one of those weeks for sure. Well, I I would love to kick things off with just sharing with our listeners a little bit more about yourselves. So we obviously met through being in the same industry. We had the same business coaches and we both connected pretty quickly when, you know, we were one of the few out there that were in a relationship, running a fitness coaching business together. And we felt like we had a lot in common and I'm really glad that we were able to develop that friendship. And now I would love to just help our listeners learn a little bit more about you guys, what you do. So maybe can you start with just sharing a little bit about your journey, how you made it to where you are now, starting from bodybuilding and now actually being in a little bit more of a holistic approach to overall fitness and well-being. Talk to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to. Quite the journey. Yeah, well, it's been, we've been together for now almost 10 years. So there's a lot that has expanded across that time horizon, but it really started when I was in college personally, you know, I was playing college football. I'd gotten up to 250 pounds and I didn't really see myself advancing in that career. And while I was going to school, I was working three jobs, 60 hours a week. And there were these pockets where I was assessing like, what do I want to do with myself? What do I want to do with my life? Where is this all leading? And I found a lot of passion for the gym and for training. And while my life was, on this path, I'd seen poor health manifest in my family, a lot of chronic illness. Uh, my dad has MS, and he's had that since I was a young kid. But there, there were other challenges, a lot of the physical health, a lot of mental health, some addiction in my family. And as this was kind of this pivotal point of finding fitness, 
I remember leaning into training as my way of escaping for that hour. If I was stressed, if I felt overwhelmed, if I was depressed, whatever it was, I could go to the gym and have a positive outlet that was reminding me that there was progress being made. I ended up losing about 60 pounds in about seven months to compete my first contest while I was a junior in, in, in college. And I had all these people who started asking me for advice. And at this time, it's 2015, people weren't really coaching online. People weren't using their social media to market themselves. And I figured this is a really great opportunity to test and see, can I be an entrepreneur? Can I help people in the way that I want to? And my thought process was, at least if it fails, I can always get a job later on in my, in my life. I launched my first personal training business. And simultaneously, at that time, Lindsay and I started dating. And she became kind of like a training partner for me during my first contest. She became someone who was there at this huge transformation in my life. And from there, we really started building our life together. And she has her own transformation experience. That was the intersection. Yeah. And to tell the remaining story, because it's like that's where we intersected and then we changed and shifted and grew from there. I was always very insecure and overweight and struggled with yo-yo dieting since I was 12 when I saw my mom doing cleanses and diets and all the things. We bought our first treadmill when I was 12, lost 20 pounds. So it's it was an ongoing story in my life. And it was something that caused me so much pain and again, insecurity that I, once I got to college and I was trying again, I was trying to go to the college gym. I was trying to restrict my diet. I'd lose 10 pounds, I'd gain 15. I just didn't really know what else to do. And I just was in a very, we'll say open headspace for me at the time. I was very close-minded, but in this one area, I was like, okay, there's gotta be something that I can do here. And that's the perfect intersection when Brian and I came together and he was working on this personal training business. I was an engineer, so I had no ideas of fitness on my mind at all other than my own selfish desires to lose weight and feel better. And he had just asked me, like, can I just, can I work through my personal training or my sessions with you? Can I just try this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Nervously, he taught me how to train legs. And I just had never heard of bodybuilding, of strength training. I didn't understand anything about it. I had no context whatsoever. I'd only ever run or done like lap pull downs once in a blue moon. So Were there some training, additional intentions there, Brian, to be like, oh, let me just help you train some legs and get to know you uh, a little bit more? No, I was really mindful that I would never date someone who I worked with. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was, I was, we were dating first mm-hmm. and I had, I had, I had, never really trained that many people in person so i like a woman i sold my personal training for like 15 dollars a session because i knew that i didn't have the skills at the time so i i was very mindful of hey i have the knowledge look what i've done i've been working at a supplement store as an assistant manager and i had like a nutrition certification so i had the knowledge but i didn't have any experience so i said hey i have like i just sold like eight hours worth of session per day. So I, I literally launched my personal training business. And within the first week, I was booked out for the summer. And I had I didn't have any experience. <laughs> so I, I was like, Lindsay, was very, like, yeah, I was like, I, I feel very confident in my ability to do this. But can you help me acquire the skill just so I can feel more comfortable? Yeah. I can, I can kind of, you know, tease out the details. And obviously, we, we train together. And yeah, 
because we didn't train together at all before. And again, I didn't know anything about weight weightlifting. So I would, I saw it as an opportunity for me to learn. And just from the first session, I was like, oh, this is the thing that I'm missing. And I've never heard of this. I don't know anything about it. So let's learn. And he let me train with him during like his last two weeks of or month of his bodybuilding prep. So I was like his training partner for a little bit. And uh, it was eye opening, because then I learned about macros. And then I understood calories for the first time. And then I understood like how actually to use my fitness pal, which was not to see how little you could eat. So it became like this very eye opening summer where I ended up starting to see my body change for the first time and getting really excited about fitness for once like it felt very empowering I started to lift heavy I started to feel more confident like the gym was my place where I finally felt confident for the first time where I felt like I could just be myself and feel really good about who I was or what I was doing so it that was where the intersection happened and then we ended up deepening our relationship after that because we weren't official yeah. for like six four four months from yeah. now or something like that well we were we were we were October we were yeah we started really uh building a, a life together at that point mm -hmm. but the journey kind of starts there and then Lindsay lost like 30 pounds she went on to compete in her first bodybuilding competition or you know uh bikini competition mm -hmm. i had won my first contest and now we were on this trajectory to make bodybuilding our life fast forward Lindsay won the biggest contest in new england and i had just launched my online coaching business in 2016 and it really started to take off and we had this vision we're like we got to move to los angeles and do bodybuilding like be in the experience of gold's gym train there live there and and really pursue this to the fullest and what was amazing is we did that and we were successful and i had my first contest in, in la i got second place Lindsay went to nationals but while we were out there it was very obvious that the trajectory of extreme bodybuilding was not what we wanted our life to be. And we started to pivot because bodybuilding, especially at the highest um, levels, there's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of health, uh, let's say, problems, a lot of medical conditions, and it's just not livable. It wasn't what we wanted our life to be. And we started to pivot. And that was where we went from this massive extreme, which I think is very similar to someone who's chronically dieting all the time, mm -hmm. because you don't understand what your, your relationship with food is like until you step back and assess it. And so there were so many things that we had to really change. We had to change our relationship with food. We had to change our relationship with working out. We had to change a lot of our emotional habits and how we were approaching life because for four years, we had been so in probably more than four years, but for a, about four or five years, we were in this tunnel of this extreme way of living mm -hmm. and coming out of that, like Lindsay had hormonal issues. She had a lot of gut health issues. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of mental health challenges and there were all these things that came to the surface that we had to do deep work on, especially more specifically talk about myself, not to tell your story. But I went from being this 230-pound bodybuilder where everyone thought I was a muscle and everyone would come up to me and it boosted my ego to no longer having that physique. And I got injured. There were some other things that happened that really created this challenge of my self-perception. And that's really where the journey to understand the deeper roots of health and fitness 
started Mm -hmm. and we've been on this path now for almost seven basically at least almost seven years i think around there there's a lot a lot more that we could go into but we'll pause there in case there's yeah. questions <laughs> well yeah, i'm curious that comes after that. you mentioned you know you had to do a lot of deep work there and i have an idea of what that deep work probably looks like because i know you guys well and you know we similarly like to dive deep into things but for some people they might hear that and might have no idea what you're even referring to can you share a little bit more about like what was the deep work that you had to do back then and you know are you still doing that type of deep work or what are you doing now? How does that look now these days? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point to pull apart. Deep work. It looks like diving into how you think, what you believe and how you feel about yourself and your world. So what are the typical ways that you approach your life challenges, seeing other people's win, seeing other people succeed? What is your thought process like? Because we don't usually challenge those things. We just see the world in our perspective and we assume that other people maybe think differently, but I'm this is the way I think, so this is correct. So we just continue on our path. So deep work usually comes with looking at how do I think about the world, assuming that it's not all correct. And is any of this hurting me? Is any of this limiting me? Is any of this causing pain that I could actually resolve for myself or make my life better? So there's a lot of challenging yourself and pulling apart your thought processes. And that's what I would quantify as deep work, at least from a surface level. Yeah. And I think the the most impactful thing we did was work on our emotional intelligence. So understanding that every action is the result of an emotion or a thought. We don't take action without even an unconscious emotion or thought. There's something that's driving us. And if we aren't producing the results that we want and we keep going back to the same strategies and thinking that things are going to change and they don't produce any greater fruit, if you will, there's not a, a better reward at the end of that experience, then you have to assess what is the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is the bottleneck or the constraint or the roadblock? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to fitness, business, relationships, the things that really matter most in our life, right? The things that we, we, we strive for, oftentimes the biggest constraint is ourselves, right? Like Tony Robbins talks about 80% of a business's success is going to be related to the ownership, owner psychology. And the same thing with fitness, right? So when we were working on rediscovering ourselves and also working on our relationship at this time, it became very obvious, at least in my my experience that I could not manage the defeats mm-hmm. of of what had happened because we had been on this upward trajectory we decided to change the direction that we were going in our life and although things kind of, at some point started to move upward I tried a new business I went got some partners it fell apart and now not only was I no longer this bodybuilder I was not a successful business owner either and that caused this massive uh collapse of my ego and that meant that i had to go inward and discover what parts of me needed to be let go of and what parts of me were really helpful for the future and that's where the deep work is and and so it's asking the question well what do you want most why do you want it and what parts of you need to change Mm -hmm. what things are are stopping you about yourself and then just working on it 
day in and day out, not in an obsessive way. But it, it was almost at that point in my life when we had moved to Dallas, we had been hired to live with this client that really changed our life. We lived with them. And this is going to be like the most perfect thing. Like we were working one-on-one with this family and long story short, we had gotten let go. And so we, I was like, Oh wow. I was going to be a successful bodybuilder. That wasn't what I wanted. Business was going really well. We moved to Dallas at this huge opportunity and that fell apart. And what I realized is that the reason why things were falling apart was because of me and having to sit with that and take ownership of it. I did, I built, I dug myself into a hole and I realized the only way to get out of it was to start stepping out of it. And and I think a lot of times when we're in a hole, whether that's with our health, our business, our relationship, we think that we have to jump right to get from here to fixing it. When realistically, the only way to fix it is to start doing the small things right. And that's what we had to start doing at least. And, and that was the pivot point for us. Yeah, it's also debilitating when you think that you have to like get yourself out of the hole by leaping out because you're like, well, I don't have the strength in my legs to leap out. So I'm just going to sit here and just like hope that things get a little bit better or that they don't get worse instead of incrementally making changes. I, I very much affirm everything that you said. I could say it in my own way, but I think that that's a really good depiction of why we needed to do the deep work. I think the only thing I'd add is that when you start seeing destructive might be a strong word, but I'm going to use it. Destructive behaviors where you could consider destructive behaviors. You lose five pounds, you gain 10 over and over and over and over again, or you make money, you lose all your money. Like if you see those patterns manifest in your life over and over, that's a signal that there's some quote unquote deep work to be had that you're not seeing. Like you're not seeing what you're doing to yourself. And that was kind of part of my story because I had no awareness of my emotions whatsoever. I was just kind of walking through my life in these major highs and lows emotionally where I'd be like on top of the world, so excited about this like launch thing we're doing. And then nobody would sign up and I would be like completely in shambles, so upset and just not be able to, I could not manage those highs and lows. So there was just a total blind spot. So when you create those patterns over and over, that's the signal to there's some stuff that needs to be worked on. Yeah. And that's such a great point. Um, I think one of the things that you guys do so well and um, from the previous times we've we've hung out, is it's that question asking, right? It's getting a little bit deeper, getting above the, the surface and really figuring out, you know, what it is that's going on or what it is that, you know, is keeping you from doing the things you want to achieve. Um, like one of the best things I've ever heard is, you know, if you want better answers, ask yourself better questions. And that's really where it starts. Um, I am curious for you guys, like what sort of you know, what's your go-to mindset practice or what do you guys normally do or what strategies do you guys turn to when you are, you know, needing a little bit of that fine tuning when it comes to mindset or deep work or anything like that? Yeah, I think we both probably have a little bit of a different answer, but I'll answer it from a high level. Maybe you could do specifics. Sounds great. Okay. The, the practices that I have seen to work really, really well from a high level, again, more just principles are first getting my beliefs down on paper. And if you've never heard of beliefs, it's just like, what do you think to be true right now? Like, I'm really, quote unquote, I'm really struggling. This is brutal. Nothing is going well because I don't have time for it. Or I feel completely out of balance. I'm not taking care of myself. Anything that's like a statement you might think or say to somebody, I just start writing them down on paper so that I can see them visually. 
anytime that I'm hitting a roadblock over and over my mindset, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm anxious, I'm defaulting to the negative, we'll say. Like anytime I get stuck in a default, that is not fun and not pleasurable, not enjoyable for multiple days on end. I'm like, okay, I got to get just all the things that are in my brain on paper because there's something to be challenged. So a lot, a lot of times for me, it's writing those beliefs, those things that are running through my head on paper and then just challenging them. Like if I didn't believe this, what would I believe instead? Or if I saw somebody else believing this, what would I tell them to shift to? And I just start trying to physically rewrite the intangible, right? The things that are in my brain. So the beliefs on paper. And then for me personally, when my mindset needs fine tuning, I leverage somebody else's mindset. So if I write those beliefs down and I cannot think any differently, I'm like, these things are true though. These things are true. I am terrible at this and I am bad at this and this isn't going well. I'll be like, okay, I'm not getting anywhere with my own like reworking here. So I will go listen to somebody who's great or who has a completely different mindset about the area I'm hitting blocks in. If it's fitness, health, if it's sales, marketing, business, I'll try to go find somebody who has a completely who's successful, who clearly has a different belief system in this area. And I'll just listen to them. I'll listen to a YouTube video or podcast. And I'll try to be, I will try to model their behavior or leverage how they think to be like, oh, well, if they're successful and they believe that this could be easy if I just did this, or if I reworked that, I'll use their mindset to just change my beliefs because I can, I can believe that those beliefs got them to where they are. So if I adopt them, I will get better. That would, be, that would be my two-part answer. What about you? I think that the first thing that's all, the first thing I've turned to consistently has been meditation and mindfulness. A lot of people are uncomfortable sitting with themselves, and that's because they start to become more aware of the things they don't like about themselves. And the only way to change something is to confront it. So even the idea of being in a in a hole, a lot of people keep putting themselves back in the hole and say, why why am I here? Why am I here? And you have to confront the truth. And what's really powerful about meditation or breath work, especially for extended periods of time, like if you could do a 20 to 30 minute um, meditation session Mm -hmm. or start, and this is obviously starts with just sitting with yourself for 60 seconds or 90 seconds and just being able to sit in that discomfort of what's going on inside you. But, But the more you start to see what's going on inside of your mind or inside of your emotions, what actually happens is that teaches you what you're experiencing on a daily basis in your everyday life. So if I can sit with myself and see that I'm thinking about this thought or this thing's overwhelming or there's judgment or this, and I can remove the judgment and become curious, then that gives me the opportunity to see when that's present when I'm talking to you guys. When I'm talking to Lindsay, when uh, when I face a failure, and that silence and that ability is the training ground for us to really understand ourselves. And if you can understand yourself, right? If you can sit with yourself and you can you can practice first building awareness and then changing what you're feeling. And you change the what you're feeling by taking a new action. So if I can build awareness, let's say that, hey, I don't handle anger very well, which is my biggest problem, almost caused us to, to, to separate because I just could not, if I was frustrated or if I was disappointed, really what was happening, if I was disappointed in an experience, that would manifest as outward anger. 
And the reason why is because I trained myself for years as an athlete to turn to anger to feel powerful. So if I was, things weren't going well, it's like, hey, I know that that is a container that will allow me to throw harder, to run harder, to push harder. And I conditioned that. Only problem is that that, that doesn't help in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So what, I, what meditation allowed me to do is to fa- first pay attention to what was happening in my body when I was angry. Then pay attention to what I was emotionally feeling. What was I thinking about? And then what would the action typically be? And by practicing training that in a container, right, which is sitting mm-hmm. with yourself for 10 minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes and repeating it over time, I could see that manifest in a conversation with Lindsay or in a conversation mm-hmm. with someone who maybe I would react poorly to. And then that gave me the ability to start reworking the pattern and habit mm-hmm. and repeating that over time. You have the compounding effect of the habit. Seven years later, things are completely different. Man, I think that one's going to resonate so much with our, our listeners in particular. And it's also just the, the concept of, like you said, especially in today's world where everything is so fast, you know, reels, Instagram, social media, all that stuff. Like the fact that you can just sit down with yourself and like you said, get to know yourself a little bit better, understand what you're feeling, why you're feeling and how that's affecting your everyday life. I mean, that's that's huge. And that that, like you said, that can be such a pivotal pivotal conversation or a pivotal moment in your life to just change your whole trajectory from a to z of anything at all you know mm-hmm. yeah there's a, lot, there's a lot of running in there too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah was, you love you love to run yeah i was absolutely. going to ask about that as well so i mean i obviously you've spoken on a lot of these practices that you guys both have and how they impact you it sounds like a lot in your business in your relationship you, know, you are you're engaged you're planning a wedding like a lot of these other things you have going on in your life but knowing you, I know that you also are ones to really push yourselves physically. So obviously there's that past that you talked about of you really pushed yourselves in the bodybuilding world and you were really successful in that, but you realized that that wasn't quite for you, but you haven't stopped pushing yourselves physically. I've seen you guys running ultra marathons, like doing really incredible things. How do these practices that you have, whether it's the mindfulness practices or just really anything that you do, how does that impact your physical performance and your physical body too? What, what I would say is at the end of every action is a feeling. The reason why I would, so I got really depressed after I stopped bodybuilding because not because people didn't recognize that I had muscles, because I stopped pushing myself. I stopped tapping into the part of me that really felt powerful after a run. And that's what that's why I found bodybuilding so so empowering is because when I was really weak and I was anxious going to the gym for the first time, I felt powerful knowing that I could do 40 pounds the next week. And, and so that conditioned this experience. And when I stopped pushing myself that way, I hit a massive depression and I lost my power. And when I started when I started to work my way out of the depression, it was actually going and doing a half marathon and pushing myself for that time as hard as I couldn't realizing like at the end of it I was so proud of myself so the physical actions are not just Mm -hmm. about the 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 outcome is not as important as the feeling Mm -hmm. I'm not chasing a half marathon I I did an ultra marathon where we're 62 and a half miles in uh, 16 hours that was about learning how to manage my state in the lowest of lows and continue to push through so I think that it's not you don't have to go and do those things in order to get that same response but instead of thinking about 
this is going to get me to my weight loss goal, or this is going to get me to this tangible external experience. Those external experiences are the result of what we have internally. If we, if we see like, Hey, when I push myself for 30 minutes, I feel really great. It's like, that's what's going to allow me to perform in my work because I have my state in check. So that's why fitness is a tool for leadership because you become more powerful or you become more confident you become more joyful. There's whatever modality you want to experience, you can train. And then that is who you are in that moment, right? That's, that's the energy that you're bringing to the experience. And when you show up in a meeting mm-hmm. and you know, like, Hey, like, look at what I'm like, I feel confident in myself. Then you have so much more strength and courage. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what we're trying to train every day. I, I don't know if that, if you can add to that, but I think that that's really where like the physical pursuit of these, these uh, experiences is learning how to push through challenges, learning how to be okay with discomfort, managing your state, but also learning how to change your state. And we can also talk about when to not push because I know that was something that we talked about beforehand because there is a really important caveat to that. It's not always pushing but it is understanding that if I'm in a low space or I don't have confidence, I want to do something radically that gets me to that response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Well, repeat the original question one more time for me. Really, it was just asking about, you know, these practices that you have in place, like the mindfulness practices, whatever it is, these things obviously are helping you in your leadership ability, how you show up in business, how you show up in your relationship. But I was just more curious of how you use those things like in conjunction with the physical training that you're doing for ultra marathons and like how does one impact the other essentially? Yeah, yeah. So I I love the question and I agree with what Brian said. The way that I would phrase it is that it's not that the mindfulness practices themselves were pulled in for business and for fitness to make those areas better. It was that fitness was the tool to make the other areas better. So to train in the gym gave me confidence. To train in the gym gave Brian confidence. To train our, our physical body in an ultra marathon gave us both mental toughness to get through really hard things and really low lows with fortitude and to be more courageous to hit the next hill with more peace like oh this is just a hill it's going to be really hard for a second and then it's going to be easy and it's going to be smooth so i think that the the entry point if you will for personal growth for us was fitness rather than i'm going to work on myself i'm going to go to therapy i'm going to start meditating and then that's going to make me more disciplined For us, the entry point was the other way. It was, I'm going to train myself. I'm going to train my mind. I'm going to go in. I'm going to see that I don't think I can pick that up off the ground. And I'm going to challenge that belief. I'm going to pick it up. And then when I can't and I fail, okay, well, that's okay. Because I know I'm going to be able to get it next week. So it it ended up becoming the entry point for our personal growth. And by growing through that process, that's why a lot of times we'll go and do those hard things is because we want to experience more of that joy or more of that discipline or we want to fine tune something that we don't have right now or that we want to get better. At least for me, I won't speak for Brian. I think he might might agree. But for me, I did a, a high rocks competition, which was sometimes I was like, this is stupid. Why am I even doing this? It's like so not related <laughs> to anything I'm doing in my life. But it was, it actually ended up helping me build friendships. It helped 
me experience more joy from my fitness and what I was doing. It helped me learn how to find the edge of my capacity in a little bit of a different way, which was the physical push where you're at anaerobic threshold and your whole body's on fire. And you're like, is this okay? But then you can't keep going that way. So you do have to pull back. Like you can't just lean on hard work when you're at your threshold. You actually do have to recover. So it's like that principle goes into my work too. Like if I'm drained and exhausted, I have to pull back and rest, right? Man, yeah, I actually, I would love to dive into that a little bit more as well. So, you know, you guys just recently had me on your podcast as well to talk about my own hormone health journey. And part of my journey was I really had to take a step back from a lot of physical exercise because my body needed that to be able to recover and heal. Now, knowing the feats that you guys have conquered physically and you have truly, in my mind, pushed your bodies to the absolute limits from what I can imagine, how do you manage that line between really pushing yourself physically and obviously knowing that a lot of that is mental toughness, but also knowing when to pull back and make sure that you are putting your physical and mental health first as well without pushing yourself past that brink? I think it comes down to, there's two things. Very important conversation. One is having a sense of interoception, which is the ability to be aware of what is happening inside your body. So if I wake up, let's say I'm incredibly sore, beat down, tight. It's like, I need to stretch. I don't need to go for a run. I don't need to go and push myself to the brink. It's really important that it's not thinking in black and white terms. Because anytime you're in black and white terms with your body, you're actually not telling yourself the truth. Oh, I'm either all or nothing, or I need to do this. And it's like, no, because we're trying to live a life that's great. We're not trying to just be great for three months. I want to be the guy who's 80 years old and looks like he's 60. Like, that's the outcome that's really exciting. I want to be able to be healthy when I'm older. So, knowing the line is also a, a first, knowing what your body is telling you. The second is changing your approach. So changing your approach means that different seasons require different ways of training, right? So there's been times and seasons where it is about pushing, but it's also times and season where it's like, hey, it's I need to sleep more. Or I really do, you know, I'm in such a high state of stress that I need more meditation. I need to relax, mm-hmm. right? Um, even, for, even for myself, um, after my last ultra marathon, I got blood work done and my TSH was four times the regular amount. So I was, it was just, like 14. I was getting, Oh my to, gosh. I was drained. I was absolutely drained. And I was like, Oh wow. This is a sign that what I'm doing in some way is not helping me create okay. the result that I want, which is longevity. So I had to go and change. I, I didn't, I stopped, I stopped running long distances. I think, I think what happened is I was running so, so long and I was also not sleeping well. So I was sleeping like two or three hours a night, just could not sleep. And that's what I got for a result. So I spent this whole year, I focused on strength training. I focused on a lot of zone two cardio training and I've optimized my sleep and my hormone levels are normal, Mm -hmm. but I caught it in time because I was listening to my body. It wasn't, it's not normal for a 28 year old or 29 year old now to be at the middle of the day feeling great. It's not normal. Right. So, okay. I got to do blood work. 
this is really important. And then taking the appropriate action once I get the evidence. Because like if you get evidence that your body's hormones are off or that you're not losing weight, it's like, ah, that's evidence that I need to change the mm. approach. And mm. I, know, I know there might be another piece for you too. Yeah. The one thing that I that comes to my mind is that hard is different than wrong. Like, and when you're thinking of how far do I push myself, it is a process. It is a learning process, right? Because you will underestimate what you can do and your your mind will always cave before your body does most of the time, most of the time. And hard is something where you can tell that you're shortchanging yourself. You're just giving yourself the out. You're making excuses for yourself. You're just not living at your fullest capacity because you're trying to find something easier. You're trying to find something that gives you more like, oh, I just want to do nothing. And it's like, okay, if there's something to be said, if you feel that constantly, right? Because then it, maybe you are doing something wrong and you're just exhausted and you need to stop. But determining the difference between hard and wrong is really how I've trained my body because I've, I've injured myself. Thankfully, nothing terrible, knock on wood, but I've hit points where I like overdid it. I could feel something off in my hamstring or my knees. And I was like, oh, I just got to get one more set. Like I just get to do one more or I got to one more mile or whatever, because I got so used to finding the limit. But eventually like with with experience you start to determine oh that was wrong oh okay that wasn't good and i think that how you determine it is are you getting the outcome that you want are you getting the outcome that you actually want maybe better phrasing because you might be getting an outcome you might be let's say people who lose two pounds a week or four pounds a week it, it's extreme at least from our fitness coaching perspectives right you might be getting an outcome you want, but are you miserable and starving and exhausted and know that you're never going to sustain the things that you're doing for the long haul? Then you're probably not getting the outcome you actually want, which is a healthy life, sustainable weight loss, et cetera. Right? So I think that that's, that's what determines whether it's just hard, like your requires energy and effort, or it's wrong. Are you actually getting the outcome you want? And how are you feeling? in the process and, and i would pin down this to someone who's listening i think the most important thing is you know your outcome what is your result and why do you want that result mm-hmm. answer those two questions and then assess what can your body really do because the example of running 62 and a half miles the first time i ever ran a mile it took me 12 minutes and i was over the moon because i ran a mile right it, it, this is a three and a half year period of growth right it didn't just happen overnight. And I think that's the most important thing is if I know what my result is, I understand why I want it. Then I should assess what can my body realistically do right now? How much can I commit to? Mm-hmm. Um, what does my body need? Right. And I don't think, I think that each individual is going to find that for themselves, but talk about doing hard things. How hard was it for you to sit there and not push your body? Like Extremely you hard. Just listening to you guys tell your stories is making me itch to want to sign up for an ultra marathon right now, <laughs> even though I know my body is not in any way ready for that. But, but to, but yeah. to kind of give, give that perspective, you sitting in that discomfort was hard. was hard. And that taught you so much. I would imagine that you're, that, that's why you're helping so many people in the way that you are. Right. So I think that, that it kind of comes back to understanding, like, what are we trying to feel? Right? What emotion do we want to feel? There's a really mm-hmm. great book that uh, would be if someone's like 
compelled to discover more about this, The Desire Map. I don't have the um, author off the top of my head, but it's a really great book about understanding like at the end of every outcome is a feeling. And so if you know what you want to feel as the, as an outcome of your result, you understand why that's important. Then having the proper awareness around what your body can and can't do is going to dictate your, your roadmap there, but it doesn't mean you can't get there. It just might take longer. It's like, there's no reason why when you're 35 you can't run an ultra marathon <laughs> or, or 30 or whatever that is. That you can you probably could get to some point where it's like, hey, if I really did want to do that, I might be able to push my body like that in the future because I would recover to that point if that was really important to you. And I think that a lot of people can do things like that. Like the 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 example is for someone who I have a client who uh, I started working with who had Hashimoto's. And he also had complications from some medicine that he had taken a couple of years ago. So his heart was all over the place. He couldn't even go to the gym, couldn't even get steps in. And I said, hey, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. Weight loss probably is not the thing for you right now. But let's focus on getting you healthy. Let's focus on getting you stronger. I'm, I'm not going to promise you weight loss because we don't know what's happening with your body. But we can focus on getting you healthy, and then we can focus on getting you stronger. And today, he weighs the same amount, but he's benching over 100-pound dumbbells. Like, he's doing these things that he he's going to the gym and pushing his body, and his body looks completely different. So that's what his body can do, mm-hmm. but he also has health that's going to impact him for decades to come. So each individual is going to be where they're at, and that's okay. You don't have to compare your results. But knowing how to assess your body and what it can do, I think is really important. I love that. I mean, I imagine that even just your client there that you mentioned, the one with the Hashimoto's, he probably, despite the fact that he weighs the same and he probably was thinking, oh, I'll feel so much more confident and happy about myself when I lose the weight. But just that inner transformation that he's probably had with you and the fact that he's, you know, benching more than he's ever benched and these types of things has probably brought him so much confidence and peace and happiness that he was seeking from the weight loss anyway, to where even if he does achieve the weight loss, he's going to get there from a place of just so much more self-love or self-appreciation as well. So I, I love that. And thank you for sharing that story too, Brian. Well, before we, you know, wrap up here, I just want to say, I really appreciate you guys sharing your stories and sharing so much about just the things that you do that I think are going to be really, really incredible for our listeners. Now, I know that you guys really are amazing at working with high level leaders, especially in business positions, CEOs, um, people who are really making an impact in the business world. Are there any last tips that you want to leave for those that are looking to you know, level up their health and fitness as well? I would say I'll give, I'll give one or two, and then I'd love to hear yours. Um, the first thing is aim small, miss small. Start smaller than you think you should and work on being consistent with hitting that target. Most performers, most professionals think that they should be as hardcore in their fitness as they are in their career, and that's just not the case. You don't get paid to work out. You pay someone to work out. <laughs> so you you shouldn't be treating yourself like fitness is your job. So start smaller. And and the last thing I would say is focus on getting stronger first because that's going to optimize your body for the long term. Um, Muscular um, or muscle density and bone density are are the most important for longevity. So 
focusing on getting stronger now while you're still in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s will have a massive impact in your 70s and 80s. And if you do those two things, focus on just consistently hitting those two targets or being consistent and then getting stronger, I think you'll see great results. Mm -hmm. And I would say to build off of that, I agree with the small win, small things, I guess, sentiment. Because the thing that you scoff at is probably the thing that you should be doing. Oh, I like um, that. The I remember a call I had with the woman that we worked with, and she did phenomenal. But she, on our first call, she was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I could walk on my lunch break, but it's only 10 minutes. Like, I wouldn't, wouldn't even make a dent. So now today she's walking every day. But nonetheless, the thing that you scoff at is probably the thing that you should be doing because it will compound over time. So drink, drink. 100 ounces of water, go for a 10 minute walk every day, get a dose of sunshine when you start your morning instead of sitting on a chair drinking caffeine, right? Inside your house, scrolling your phone, like the little things really, really do add up on your health over time. So do the things that you scoff at first, get those down. And then the second thing that I would say off of that is when you're thinking about achieving an outcome over time, allow allow yourself to believe that it's going to come to fruition and that it's worth your effort. Because I think that a lot of, at least the women that we work with, they are such givers. They are such achievers that if they don't see the immediate result and they don't see the five pounds or they gain a couple pounds here, or like it, it bounces a little bit, they just don't see that it's, it's worth it for them. And they get lost in the numbers because they can hit sales numbers, they can hit team numbers, they can hit these other metrics all day long. But when it comes to their own time for themselves, it's very difficult to stay committed to that because they're just, they can't see the long term payout. So they get stuck. So I think just maintain your commitment to yourself for the long haul and you'll, you'll get there. You just have to give yourself the time and grace to, to find it and do it. Amazing. I think those are really incredible tips to leave our listeners off with. And I bet that they are itching to learn more about you guys now. Where can they connect with you both, learn more about you, what you offer, all of that stuff? Yeah, there's. we have a podcast called Conquer the Day Podcast, which is what Vanessa was on. So we'd love for you to join us there. It's on all major listening platforms. And then we do have a Facebook group for professionals called Energy Secrets for Business Owners and Professionals. And that's really where we share as much as we can. We do trainings live. We teach meditation. We give tips and tricks on quick things you can do for yourself. So that's a really great place where you can find us on Facebook as well. Those are our really two main ones. And then on Instagram, it's just my name, Ryan Pickwitz. And, and then, then I'm Lindsay Rago. I think I'm the only one on Instagram. That's Lindsay Rago. One of a kind. <laughs> yeah, we'll, the only. <laughs> we'll link your Instagram as well as your podcast in the show notes as well to make it easy for anybody to click over to that. But again, Lindsay, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time out on your busy Friday to chat with us. We really enjoyed this and I know this is going to help so many people. So thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. If you learned something today, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review in iTunes. And if this particular episode resonated with you, do me a favor and take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag me at Vanessa G Fitness so I can show you some love. All right, my carb queens, talk to you in the next episode.